welcome to Scare You to Sleep. I'm Shelby Scott, and I'm here to read you a bedtime story. First up this week is a submission from Serena Nix. You know Serena from their story that was previously on the show, Devil in the Dark. This week, Serena has for us a chilling tale of what it's like to be the new girl in town. This is Leap Year. It was colder than any winter Abby could recall. Blue skies had convinced her she could get by without a winter hat or gloves, but she regretted her decision now. She wasn't prepared for the frigid air that left her cheeks red and raw. It was her first winter in Winthrop, a small town in northern Washington. In a town of roughly 500 people, Abby didn't exactly blend in. For starters, she was new, Some of the older locals didn't take kindly to outsiders. She wasn't sure if it was because they assumed she had some sort of agenda or because they simply wanted to keep their town as tight-knit as possible. Abby didn't blame them, though. She knew she was a little rough around the edges. She was naturally loud, but she was working on it. A 35-year-old, unwed, childless, tattooed wanderer who wasn't exactly known for great first impressions. While most locals only saw those traits in her, she was also fiercely loyal, she was a hard worker, a quick learner, and she possessed a natural ability to read people. However her small town felt about her, the feeling wasn't mutual. Abby loved it there. Its old world charm and surrounding rivers were beautiful. Bells drilled into the top of the door, jingled loudly, announcing her entrance to the diner. She welcomed the blast of warm air, rescuing her from the arctic tundra she had just walked through to get there. An older man sitting at the bar glanced up at her and met her eye, then turned his attention back to his black coffee and newspaper. The front page was a story covering the upcoming leap year celebration. Apparently, it was something of a tradition around these parts. Abby walked straight through the lobby, passing a family seated in a booth. The father was on his phone, swiping through some social media app. The mother cutting small pieces of a happy-faced pancake covered in whipped cream for their daughter. Oh, to be as happy as the curly-haired little girl who seemed to have whipped cream everywhere but her mouth. But Abby smiled at her as she made her way to the back room. Hey Beth, busy day out there? Abby said, laying the sarcasm on thick. She took off her coat, and Beth tossed her an apron. It smelled almost sickly sweet from the syrup that wouldn't come out, regardless of how many times the apron was washed. (laughs) Yeah, I've made about nine whole dollars in tips. I think people are busy getting ready for tomorrow's festivities! Beth said excitedly. She was practically giddy about it. Yeah, I got the letter... I wasn't sure if I would go, but from the sounds of it, I'd be the only person in town staying home. Abby talked as she washed her hands, getting ready to start her shift. I'm already the new girl, and I want to seem uninvolved, too. Beth had already taken off her apron, separated her tip money, and was putting her coat on. Unlike Abby, Beth was smart enough to have worn a hat and gloves this morning. You have to go! They only happen on leap year, so if you skip it... You won't get to be a part of one for another four years. Consider it an 
initiation. Nobody's considered a local until they get to experience the celebration. Beth insisted. All right, all right. Don't be surprised if I sit close to you most of the night, Abby told her. She didn't tell her, however, that she was already coming up with excuses in her head to leave the event early. Beth was a godsend. She was born and raised in the small town, all 24 years of her life. She had treated Abby like a friend from day one, which was more than she could say from anyone else in the town. She was rail thin and her long arms and legs left her a little lanky. Her eyes were almost unnaturally large and piercing blue, peeking from behind a short dark bob. Her parents owned the diner and she had been helping out long before she was legally employed. She was far more innocent than Abby, but that surely wasn't a flaw. Abby was glad Beth's childhood was less traumatic than her own. Between the thought of Beth's childhood and the smell of syrup and stale coffee wafting in from the kitchen, Abby found herself thinking of her youth, her sticky, syrupy, five-year-old hands as she made her own breakfast. She thought about her mother, too hungover to parent. Her mother was a large reason she chose to have no children of her own. They had far too much in common. The jingling of the bells on the front door brought Abby back to reality. She cleared her throat, dropped a pen and pad of paper into her apron pocket, and headed to greet her first customer of the day. Her shift went on just as Beth's had. She fared a little better and left with a whopping $22. Almost every customer had mentioned the festivities scheduled for the following day. She recognized most of them, and they her. The old man at the bar when she arrived was Curtis. You could count on him at 9.30 a.m. sharp, with a newspaper folded under his arm and a request for black coffee. He knew it would cost him $2.79, and he had exact change every day. A man of few words, Abby was sure she'd never seen him smile. The idea of him participating in what was supposed to be a celebration was almost comical. She exchanged a few words with Julian, the man responsible for the night shift at the diner, took off her apron, and geared up for her freezing walk home. The letter inviting Abby to the leap year celebration was originally tossed aside without a second thought. Upon realizing what a major event this apparently was, she decided she should actually read the thing. Abby made herself a martini before settling in. She was out of vermouth and olives and martini glasses for that matter, so a rocks glass with room temperature vodka would have to do. She plopped down onto her oversized love seat and grabbed the letter off her side table. It read, Hi, neighbor. It's time again for our leap year celebration. I know you've all been waiting patiently over the last four years, and I can assure you it's worth the wait. Directions to the gathering are always the same. This year we will be meeting at the Observatory Inn. We will walk to the gathering area together as a community, and festivities will kick off at 9 p.m. Thank you all for your participation and dedication to our small community, Mayor LaPlante. Oh, great. A late night walk on a numbingly cold evening, Abby thought to herself. She had heard people talking of preparing for tomorrow, but wasn't exactly sure what needed to be done. She sipped her sad excuse for a martini and figured people must be stocking up on hand warmers and digging their snowsuits out of storage. Anything they could do to make this event tolerable. She wasn't looking forward to it. 
but Beth made it sound like she couldn't miss out. Abby began to doze off where she sat. She dreamt of blizzards and cigarette burns, bleak, intense colds and blistering, stinging hots. Her subconscious painted pictures on the inside of her eyelids. She saw her mother in a flowing sundress. She was twirling in the kitchen like the most graceful ballerina you've ever seen. Her mouth in a wide, sparkling smile. She could feel her inviting warmth and moved closer, closing the gap between her and her mother. With every twirl, her mother transformed. The wide smile became a straight line. Her lips were thin now and pulled back, revealing her teeth. Twirl. The brightness in her eyes dimmed until they were nothing but glossed over pupils staring upwards into nothingness. Twirl. Once rosy cheeks now sat sunken and blue. Twirl. The gap between her and her mother completely closed. Little Abby sat at the feet of what now resembled a skeleton covered tightly in pale blue skin. The sundress hung off her remains, and the twirling slowed to a stop. Young Abby stared up into the unfocused eyes of what used to be her mother. Her mother's skeletal mouth didn't move, but she still heard her voice whispering in her ear. I'll see you soon, my love. (gasps) Abby jolted straight up on the couch. Her hair was matted with sweat, and she felt the sickly, bitter taste of bile rising in her throat. She threw her legs over the side of the couch and managed to heave onto the floor, missing the upholstery. She dreamt of her mother often, and she was almost always, as Abby remembered, the shell of a person. Still, she couldn't shake the feeling this dream was some sort of warning. She had several hours to kill before she was scheduled to meet at the inn. She would use that time to clean her floor and find as many warm layers as possible. Beth! Abby shouted, waving her arm to get Beth's attention. She could see her across the parking lot of the observatory inn. Beth looked over her shoulder and waved her long arm back. You made it! You'll be so glad you came. There's really nothing like it, Beth promised. Abby couldn't tell if it was genuine excitement or nerves from the unexpected, but she was actually starting to look forward to the evening ahead. It seemed warmer today, but this time she wouldn't be caught without a hat. As the parking lot filled, she couldn't help but notice how many people were there. Nearly the entire town. Curtis, the old man from the diner, Julian, the night shift server, even Mayor LaPlante. The trickle of people was starting to slow down when the bells began. Normally, the ringing was saved for Sundays. As church doors opened, thunderous bells reminded us heathens who chose to stay home of our choice of eternal damnation. As the bells echoed through the main part of town, the buzz of everyone coming together hushed and came to a complete silence. Hundreds of people were in attendance, but not a single one was making noise. Abby wasn't sure what she was supposed to be doing, 
so she followed suit and kept her mouth shut, as eerie as the whole thing was. The bells went on for about 30 seconds. Once they stopped, the walking began. Still in absolute silence, Mayor LaPlante led the town down the main street. Everyone walked together towards the park that sat behind the bank and bakery. Abby looked around for some sort of direction, but came up with nothing. Everyone seemed to have their eyes upward and shoulders back, walking in time. She couldn't help but feel like cattle being led to the slaughter. As the crowd entered the park, Abby realized it looked slightly off. The entrance was normal. A giant lattice arbor was covered in dead ivy and opened into a large circular grassy field. On every side were park benches and streetlights, surrounded by dirt patches that would grow beautiful flowers come spring. Many people in the crowd spent their summers picnicking there with their families. The part that seemed different to Abby was a trail directly across from the arbor. The mayor was leading them all across the grassy field, but she could swear there had never been a trail there before. Where are we going? Abby whispered quietly to Beth. There was no response, verbal or otherwise. Beth didn't so much as move her eyes in Abby's direction. She thought about turning back, but the crowd looked like a sea of people behind her. She wasn't sure she could fight her way through them and didn't want to cause a scene. As they made their way through the trail, the temperature dropped significantly. Cold shivers ran through Abby's spine, and she shoved her gloved hands into her pockets in an attempt to warm up. Steam was rising from the horde, and the fog of breath from every person served as evidence of the chill. Just as Abby was about to speak up again, the mob of people stopped moving. At the front of the pack, Mare LaPlante grabbed the hand of the person to her right, and they began to move in a single file line. This worked its way back through the entire crowd. Without a word, Beth reached for Abby's hand, and they followed. Abby offered her hand to the man standing next to her. She assumed that's what she was supposed to do. God forbid someone offers some direction around here, Abby thought to herself. They worked their way around, following the single file line, until she could see it. Everyone was standing hand in hand around a frozen lake. A sheet of thick blue ice covered the entire surface. But there were no lakes in Winthrop. Abby was sure of it. She knew she could open a map right now and find absolutely nothing where they stood. But, clear as day, she was standing in front of a lake. Tall dead trees surrounded the area and swayed slightly in the wind. Beth, what the hell kind of celebration is this? Abby whispered hurriedly. She couldn't believe she had given up a night off for some weird, silent walk. Of course, Beth said nothing in return. Abby dropped Beth's hand and pulled her phone from her pocket. She held it up, checking the time, but quickly felt Beth's hand grab onto her arm. She whipped her head to the side, and Beth was still looking straight ahead. 
Her fingernails were leaving crescent moon shapes on Abby's skin. Jesus, Beth, relax, Abby said quietly, placing the phone back into her pocket. She was done with whatever kumbaya shit was happening here. She was trying to let go of the man's hand to her left, but he squeezed it tightly. She opened her mouth to tell him to let go, but was interrupted by the sound of cracking. It was deafening, echoing off every tree. She focused her attention back to the frozen lake and the cracking continued. She squinted, like that would help her make out what was happening, and noticed a fissure had appeared in the middle of the sheet of ice. The fissure cracked loudly again and began to spread in every direction. A surge of freezing air blasted the crowd's faces. It burned Abby's eyes and she clenched them shut to ease the pain. She couldn't keep them shut, though. The cracking continued and she needed to see it. What started as a small fissure was now a large hole in the center of the lake, exposing the black waters below. Cracks in the ice worked their way outwards from the hole like icy spider webs. Abby found herself staring in disbelief. Her arms now dangled beside her thoughtlessly, hand in hand with her neighbors. The cracking had ceased, and the silent stillness returned in its place. Abby began to lean forward, hoping to get a better understanding of what she was seeing, when something appeared out of the hole. It was a hand. A human hand. Though it didn't seem right, the fingers were too long. The hand was followed by a too-long arm that reached out of the hole and up onto the ice. Abby's breath stopped, no longer displaying a cloud of fog in front of her mouth. What the fuck? She squeaked out. She was crying now, but no one could tell. The tears were freezing the moment they hit her cheek. She watched in horror while her body was deciding on fight or flight. For now, her feet were glued to the icy ground beneath them. She felt like she was in a movie. This couldn't be real. The arm from the lake was met with another. Both hands planted on the ice now, sharp elbows pointing up. The monster pushed upwards to pull itself from the water to the icy sheet surrounding it. It was a woman. Her hair was white and long. It fell down her back, stringy and wet. She was hunched forward and her limbs were a little too long to look natural. An endless black tattered dress hung from her body and trailed backwards, spilling into the lake behind her. Her skin was beyond pale and sagged from her bones. She was gaunt and appeared impossibly old. The hag just stood there, her humpback protruding as she waited for something. This was no celebration. This was a ritual, and Abby was not going to be a part of it. Her hands were held tightly by Beth and the man to the left of her, but Abby began to thrash. She stepped backwards and used her body weight to try to free herself. Let me go, you fucking psychos! She hissed. Isn't it beautiful? It gets better. Just watch. 
Beth finally whispered. She never looked at Abby. She couldn't take her eyes off this nightmare unfolding in front of them. No! Let me go! Abby was screaming now. She felt desperate, like an animal in a trap. Her eyes darted around for anyone who would help. But everyone seemed overjoyed with the scene. She saw the family from the diner across from her. The little girl with the whipped cream face was staring ahead in awe, her parents grinning on either side of her. Even old man Curtis was standing there with a wide smile across his face. The old woman from the lake unfolded her long arms outward, her palms and sharp fingers facing up. Unable to free her hands, Abby leaned to her left and bit down on the arm of the man next to her. She clenched her teeth hard until the flesh opened up inside her mouth. She tasted pennies, and the man released her hand to jerk his arm away. Abby quickly turned her head to the right and bit down on Beth's arm now. She was furious with Beth. She would never forgive herself for befriending someone so vile. Her anger resonated through her bite, and she ended up with a mouthful of Beth's flesh. Beth jerked her arm away in pain, leaving Abby unrestrained. She spun around to run back down the trail, spitting Beth's chewed piece of arm to the ground. She wasn't looking back, not even when the humming began. The entire town was expelling this single low note, holding hands and smiling like they hadn't just witnessed a monster appear from the bottom of a frozen lake. Abby was running back down the trail that would lead to the park they had entered from. The humming chased her all the while. The trail was winding and seemed longer than it had on its way in. She kept pushing, pushing her body far beyond its limits. Her chest was on fire from sucking in the freezing air as she ran. Her legs aching, she forced them up and down as quickly as she possibly could. A clearing up ahead told her she was nearing the park. She would run from the park to the observatory inn, get in her car, and never look back. Starting over wasn't new for her. She could do it again. She willed herself to keep running. It felt like miles now, but she was closing in on the clearing. Her tears were now tears of joy as she crossed the threshold and felt a small sense of relief. For a moment, at least, she wanted to hold on to that feeling. But her spirits were cut down when the clearing didn't open up to the park she was expecting. Instead, it was the lake again. The same lake with the same gangly, wet hag standing in the middle of the ice. Abby turned to run again, but the chain of townsfolk had now closed hands again, leaving her in the middle of the circle. Still humming, the circle began to step forward. As the circle got smaller, she tried fighting her way back through, but the crowd was too thick. The sea of people that had marched them all into this mess was a sea she could not escape. Please, let me go. I'll leave. I won't come back. I promise. Just let me go. Abby begged the crowd around her. They couldn't hear her over their incessant humming. Or they simply didn't care. The circle was closing in around her, and Abby was being pushed towards the waiting arms of the lake monster. 
Every step brought her closer to her own sacrifice. She scratched and punched and kicked, but it was useless. She couldn't make her way through an entire town of people. She was steps away now and her terror gave way to some sick sense of acceptance. Her heaving sobs now turned to guttural laughter. She couldn't believe this was the horror movie ending to her life. The humming was drowning out all surrounding sounds, but it couldn't silence the hag. As the woman stretched her wet, sagging arms to wrap Abby in, her frozen bones popped and cracked. The old hag's long fingers grabbed onto Abby, who tried to fight her in vain. She was trapped between hundreds of locals and this monster. The hag's arms squeezed her tightly. Her strength was inhuman. She was frozen to the core and that cold immediately took the place of any warmth Abby had left. It was fast. The woman from the lake didn't make a scene of it. She was there for a reason, and she had it wrapped in her two long arms. She turned around and faced the hole, Abby unwillingly coming with. She took the few steps to the hole, and with a small splash, she stepped in. Abby's body was sent into a state of shock from the cold water. It sucked the air from her lungs, and she knew she had lost the last breath she would ever take. The lake woman's arms were still tightly wrapped around Abby as they slowly sunk to the bottom. The humming was fading as they fell further from the surface. Her head was exploding from the pressure, and her lungs begged for air. Instinctively, Abby gasped, but instead of cold winter air, her lungs were invaded by mouthfuls of frozen water. It hurt now, but it was short. She was fading out of consciousness as a sense of calm overcame her. The dark water world around was becoming a never-ending black, just as the blackness overtook her and her physical self faded away. She saw rays of sun pouring in through the window of her childhood kitchen. There, in the middle of the floor, was her mother, twirling in her sundress, her wide smile shining down on little Abby. a small treat I have for you tonight. If you hadn't heard it on the previous voicemail full episode, here is the delightful poem that Seb wrote for me and about me, I guess. I just had to share it here as well as with a cleaner recording because, well, it tickles me to death. Here is Goodnight Shelby. 
The writer stands inside her home, her kitchen filled with smells of scones and fresh-baked bread, all while her head fills to the brim with horror. But neither does she flinch nor cry, for frightening things she loves to pry from books and forums, can't ignore them because they never bore her. Monsters, crimes, cookies, and pies. A healthy ratio of treats and demise have lured her into pleasant bliss, but oh dear miss, be wary. Your fondness for all things dark and gory have landed you in your own horror story. So sleep with a light to protect you tonight from my thousands of eyes always staring. <laughs> Good night, Shelby. You won't see me, but I'll be seeing you. Thanks for listening, and thank you to both my authors, Serena Nix and Seb. Thank you so much for your submissions. And you can follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all at Scare You to Sleep. You can follow me personally on Twitter and Instagram at Shelby B. Scott. And please go check out my other show, Historic Hangouts. There's a new episode out. We just previously did a two-parter, and this week is a one-parter on Hamburger Hamlet. And as you'll see in the um, description for that episode, I forgot we were going to record and got a little bit tipsy before we recorded. So I'm a little bit um, silly in this episode. So go check out Historic Hangouts. Uh, you can get that wherever you get your podcasts. And for both shows, remember, you can always leave reviews on Spotify. Also, you can rate and review everywhere. But I tend to look at these Spotify reviews. Those have been fun to see and comb through, so I appreciate everyone who's been doing that. You can do that for both shows. And if you'd like to submit a story for me to work my Scare You to Sleep magic on, you can send it to scareyoutosleep at gmail.com. You can also join the Patreon for as little as $1 a month for ad-free episodes. Yes. Okay. And... I believe that's all the housekeeping. I don't think I have any announcements. I have a very, very exciting meeting coming up on Tuesday, so I may have an announcement soon. Fingers crossed. Send me all your good luck vibes, please, because I have something that I want to get off off the ground that I am going to be pitching on Tuesday, and I'm really excited about it. So seriously, send me all your good luck vibes. Knock on wood for me. Um tweet at bloody disgusting and tell them whatever this is i want it (laughs) don't do that i don't know that might be uh too much but uh yeah just send me good luck vibes and let's see oh and last or this week it was this week i was invited to a screening of the blackening which is one of the funniest movies i've ever seen and on top of that it's a really solid horror movie if i was i was under the the impression from some of the trailers or the little bits I'd seen that it was going to be kind of scary movie-esque and it's not it's really funny again it's like a solid horror movie kept me on the edge of my seat uh the the horror vixen Vanessa Decker invited me and so glad to have her as like a new friend in my life uh we'll be doing a lot of stuff together at Midsummer Scream this year and again get your tickets for Midsummer Scream I'm going to be there I'm going to be hosting a lot more stuff than I had anticipated. So there's going to be some fun stuff. I don't know if I can announce it yet, but I will be judging a contest there. And yes, and I'm going to dress up and it's going to be great. So please come down to Midsummer Scream. It's going to be a blast. And again, with Vanessa, the horror vixen and my buddy Prince from the Nightlight podcast, we're going to be 
judging something and hosting some things and I'm going to be on some panels. Well, one of them has already been announced. The uh, urban, uh, the Internet Urban Legends panel with John Grills, Trevor Henderson and Pacific Obadiah. So that's going to be so much fun. And what else? I think those are all my like little announcements. On to my ramble, which I don't think I'm going to ramble too much this week, but I will tell you I baked this week. I made shortbread cookies, just basic shortbread with, um, I melted some chocolate and just like spooned the chocolate over the top, popped them in the fridge. Oh God, it's so simple. Can't get any, by the way, if anyone has a favorite shortbread recipe, I would love it. I comb through so many and there are so many different recipes. It's such a simple recipe. And I think that's why there are so many variations. And that's why I got kind of intimidated. I ended up picking the King Arthur, I believe, recipe, the King Arthur flour recipe. But if you have a favorite shortbread recipe, please send it my way. I want to try all the flavors. And I'm, I, I've made them before, but I can't remember what recipe I used before. And this recipe was good, but not as good as the one I used before. And again, I don't, I have no idea which one I used before. So if you have a favorite, send it on over. I know I have several listeners in the UK and in Scotland in particular, and I know you guys do shortbread real well. It's like your thing. So if you have any actual good shortbread and don't worry about the metrics, I can, I can convert them. So uh, please send me shortbread recipes. I'm always telling you I'll send you recipes, but now I'm, I'm asking for yours. Um, I think that's it. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. I got to go to the blackening and that was fantastic. Again, go see it. Seriously. It's out on June 16th. So good. I'm not getting paid to tell you this, by the way. I I was just invited because Vanessa's awesome. And at the last minute was like, hey, I'm hosting a screening. You want to come? And I posted some pictures. The pictures are so awkward, you guys. Uh, I My friend, Nikki, who I love dearly, uh, it was really crowded and it was just kind of we had to rush. So most of them, basically every picture but that one turned out really blurry, like beyond blurry. And I did what I could. And I'm, I think I was like in motion to start to pose and I look so awkward and I absolutely hate it. But I also didn't want to not post something since I got invited and I wanted to spread the word. So uh, anyway, it was one of those moments, one of those nights where I was like leaving the house feeling confident, feeling cute. And then the pictures made me feel um, the opposite. <laughs> Uh, anyway, if you, if I look incredibly awkward, that's why it was like kind of a rush and everything. But I got these cool like themed playing cards. You'll if you watch the movie, you'll see why. And some matchboxes, and they're like really good matches. So that was a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, I think that's it. I'm not going to ramble too much this week. I have dinner to make. Uh, if you want to know, if you're curious, I'm going to be making some lemon. Alfredo with chicken and broccoli and some salad and I don't know what else. I think that's it. Yeah, I mean that's a full meal. So <laughs> I don't, I'm one of those people who I like having lots of options when I eat. Like I like as many options in my meal. So anyway, but that's that's good. So I will talk to you next week. Again, I know that Guided Nightmare is coming out. I'm so sorry. I'm I'm working on it. It's I'm working on the dialogue. I've told you they're they're difficult to write there. I really try to get them, hone them into shape. Uh, I had someone recently send in a guest nightmare is what I guess I'm going to be calling them. And so I'm going to record that for you soon too. I've never had a guest written guided nightmare, but I thought it'd be fun. And since I'm so fucking slow at writing the normal ones, why not give you something that if someone had 
the urge to write one, why not give that to you, you know? Um, I'm not going to be precious about my own work. So, all right, I will talk to you all next week. Hopefully before next Friday, where, where I will have a guided nightmare for you. And uh, yeah, and Patreon, I have a couple bonus things coming out for you soon. Oh, and Patreon, by the way, if you have favorite creepy pastas, please feel free to uh, drop them into like a comment or send them to me. Uh, their messages are really wonky. I don't always get your messages and I don't know why. Uh, in my next ambassador meeting, I'm going to bring that up because I don't feel like I get your messages. Uh, so email it to me or drop it in one of the comments like in this episode drop it in the comment of this episode if you're a patreon patron and you have a favorite creepypasta you want for the next creepypasta episode feel free and i'm going to be doing a video for you soon as well patreon okay that's enough i love you go get some sleep sweet dreams